attention of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 106. Bonba still gets down. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono. And I was so close to calling this something else, but we are still not an explicit podcast. No, we aren't. Maybe one day we will change that tag, but I'm not even sure how we'd go about that. Me either. I don't, yeah. Uh, so until we figure that out... Yeah, worry about it later. Um, this is Dino Knight Sentai Ryu Soldier, episode 39, Stolen Holy Night, and episode 40, Nightmare in the Fog. Our writer for 39 is Takahiroya, and for 40 is Yamaoka Junpei. Our director for 39 is Sakamoto Koichi, and for 40 is Takahiroya. Whoa. Um, I actually went and looked this up in multiple places, because... TV Nihon's wiki is where I usually get this information just because it's the quickest way for me to look. Little things, yeah. Um, and I'm lazy, but, uh... Hey, 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 you're efficient. I am. So, but that seemed weird, so I did go and check that against other sources, but Takahiroya actually switched from writing episode 39 to directing episode 40, and I believe also episode 41, but we're not there yet. Sono, I have I have heard that there is a really impressive uh, guest star for that one. Well, we will see. Yeah, you you will be beyond excited. I cannot wait. But yeah, but yeah, this was just uh, I, I was just really impressed too because that's uh, that is being a Renaissance creative. So good on Heroya. That's huge. Yeah, he wrote some really wonderful character building in 39 and directed some really strong moments of, like, team unity and dynamic fights in 40. Um, So it's very rare that we see someone go from one side to the other on these productions, and much less do it well on both sides. So, color me impressed. Yeah, likewise. But, uh, well, I guess that's, that's us opening with some good stuff, which is... For better or worse, not really how we do. Yeah, we're gonna so let's, we're let's gonna go make f- a compliment sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, these those are good episodes of Sentai, yo. Yeah, the, we got a couple couple little things, but all right. Yeah, start us off with your with the problems and or nitpicks, which I think are we can agree are mostly nitpicks. Yeah, um, I kind of wish they'd let the Oto and Melt thing die. Uh, there's a yeah. there's a degree to which I'd tolerate it. If Conalo didn't have that reaction every single time it came up. Because, like, her having a crush on Melt is one thing. Especially since he seems completely disengaged from the idea. So, you know, kids have crushes. That's not a huge deal. It's yeah, fine. There's no, there's no problem in that. That's just what you do when you're young and you're having emotions. Yeah, and you, you know, poor creatures. Melt understands what's going on and he's kind of just letting it run its course, which is fine. But why does Connell have to act like Melt is stealing his girlfriend every time Oto brings it up? It's because it's not that his reaction is like, you're too young to be dating or he's not good enough for my sister. Like, his reaction is always, you should be admiring me, not him. And that's weird and skeevy, and I want them to not be doing that. Yeah, same. Because it, it, it hits on a lot of weird places, and um, I'm not going to name them all, because none of them are good. And even, like, it just, it, ugh. And th- I guess the other thing is, I don't want to look at Connolo like that, because honestly, he can be so much better than that. 
Though, I have to also, on top of everything else, if any of his prospective wives, even if he could get them to the part of meeting his family, would see how he behaves around his sister, I bet that would probably drive them off faster than his, uh, usual charming demeanor? Because, yeah. I mean, like, look, I can understand people being awkward, and and we can we've seen that he can have a good rapport with with someone, but like if I was dating someone and he got that kind of weird and clingy about any member of his family, I'd just be like, "There's levels here. I'm not. I'm out." Yeah, it's. I just. I wish they were framing it differently. Yeah, and, and I think just as as we've mentioned before that who is directing things when this happens. Boy, it seems to get worse whenever Sakamoto's there, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. It I mean, sure like, look, is the Sakamoto-ness of it. Yeah. Like, look, maybe he didn't have anything to do with it, but also, like, mm, the correlation is there. Yeah. Um, though I do love at the end of the episode, like, Oto's kind of hanging around Melt, and he just encourages her to go, like, be a 12-year-old and play with the other children, and have the fun she wants to be having at this party, because clearly she's not enjoying herself just standing next to him. So he's just kind of like, hey, go have fun, and she gets to enjoy her Christmas without, like, protesting and kind of having this moment of, oh, no, but I want to spend it with you. Like, she just goes and has fun instead of forcing this obligation on herself that she doesn't want and Melt doesn't want. Like, she just goes and has a good time playing with other kids, and that was a nice moment. Yeah, it really was. And it's it's just nice to see her being a kid. Because, like, look, we don't get to see her be a kid a lot, and that makes sense, because this is not Dino Knight Sentai Oto Ranger, though, like, that wouldn't be a bad show either. No, I mean, it real. could be. But, uh, like, it's, it's nice to see them stop trying to pretend that where she's that creepy thing where an adult intelligence is in a child's body or something like that. Because once they mentioned that she's 120 years old, there have been a lot of times where it's like, are they trying to do that because they don't want them to do that? There are times where I wonder that, but then that doesn't really make sense either. Because, yeah. like, the aging is different. And, yeah, like, the, the she's not she's not that much younger than Toa. Toa's probably, like, 170. Sounds about right, but it's just... I don't know. Like, I'm just glad that they do that. They don't seem to be going that way because, like, that sort of thing can be understandable-ish. But it's also always weird. Yeah, it's always weird. But okay, like, it can be cool if you want to unsettle and freak people out. Like, oh, hey, here's this kid, and like. It's, it's like a child vampire and has no problem, like, tearing people's throats out because they're 200 years old and they've been 13 for all of it. And they're just really tired of everyone. Or, or you know, stuff like that. Uh, the, the Batman villain baby doll. Yeah. In, um, like, and, and her thing is like, no, I just look like a kid. I am actually a, a, an adult with adult problems. And I hate that you keep talking to me like this. But, like... If you're not trying to unsettle or cause that kind of friction, 
it tends to go some like weird places. Like, I don't know. I saw I saw a thing from like a video game where it's like, oh no, this twelve year old girl in the bikini is actually like a twelve hundred year old dragon. So it's oh, fire emblem. Like, yeah, I didn't know if that was a fire emblem or what, but I'm just I like I feel like that's multiple characters in fire emblem. Yeah, and I just um, I, like look, I'm not here. Yes, I am here to yuck some yums. Uh, you do you. I, I like. I don't want to know about it, but uh, that's weird. <laughs> that's deeply. Um, let's just not. How about that? Let's just let's not. Yeah, I'm calling out Fire Emblem on that one. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'm not cutting that out. That's uh, it we're looks- calling out Fire Emblem. I'll call out anything you know? else that does it. I've called out Abba Ranger on it. Uh, it's yeah, it's weird. And I don't like it. Don't do yeah. it. It's it's weird, and it's like, going that far, like, on top of everything else, it's like you're going really far to justify this thing. Like, I'm not saying it'd be better if they just said, I like looking at that, but at least it'd be honest. At least we wouldn't be, like, jumping through all the hoops. Because then you have to get people jumping back through the hoops to get to the start of it, and it's just like, it's one of those things I don't know if it's more insulting that you said it, or that you thought it would work. Or that there are people who will defend it because they think it works. I think it's that last one, actually. That last one is... Anyway, let's get off this subject, because this is depressing and gross. Okay, so, um, Uri has been very conspicuously absent for the past few episodes... Which is also conspicuous and gross. Because, mm. not for nothing, like, in a very different way, of course, but I just, I like Ui. She's neat. She's a good character. Where's she been? Yeah, I can't find any other work that she's currently in, nor have I seen her post about any other work on social media. Um, and I also haven't seen her post on social media at all since New Year's. So just, mm. does anyone know if she's okay? Because it's been almost a month that she's been missing from the show, and, like, it's been, like, a week and a half since she's posted on Twitter or Instagram. So I'm just a little worried. Like, is she sick? What's going on? Is she okay? Like, just, if anyone knows anything, is more, like, in tune with, you know, Japanese entertainment news, uh... Just maybe let me know if you've heard anything, because it just, it feels very weird that she has not been in the past few episodes, especially the Christmas episode. Right? I'm just, I'm really gonna hope that it's the classic move where she's got some other work that pays better somewhere else, and she's just bailing for a little because Toei is kind of infamous for not paying people enough to prioritize a Toei production. Yeah, I I do think she is more of a model than an actress. Um, yeah, so maybe so she's it, just got to go on location somewhere. Maybe I, it just I don't know. the fact that she hasn't posted on social media since the first has me a little worried. Um, yeah, understandable. Just, you know, so if anyone has heard anything, you know, feel free to at me on Twitter about that one. Um, I'm just I'm very worried. Understandable. Uh, speaking of being worried, seeing Melt distressed the way he was when he woke up from that nightmare was very upsetting. Um, this is not necessarily bad because it was supposed to be, um, so that was very well written and acted all around. I just don't think I have 
many actual criticisms of this episode. Uh, so I'm just gonna express, like, I was real sad. Like, I was, I was genuinely distressed when he's, like, huddled on the bench, like, sweating and panting and, like, touching his face and trying to, like, deal with it, the anxiety of having woken up that way. Because uh, I've woken up from nightmares like that. I have yep. woken up in that condition, and I just sympathize because it is genuinely very distressing. Yeah, it is It is a special kind of hell. And also, like, I can totally understand being upset by seeing it, because, uh, whew. Like, I get that we're supposed to be upset by it, but they just, they did a real good job of it. Because, <laughs> who boy, did I, did I feel that one. Yeah. Um, also, the degree to which people kept looking directly into that mirror that supposedly shows people a vision of their death was very stressful. And I guess maybe it doesn't have that power anymore since it doesn't actually happen when anyone does it. And maybe that's why it was so easy to get a Minosaur out of, but I kept expecting it to show Koreon and then Ko and then Kanalo, like, really unpleasant visions when they kept looking directly into it, and it got me really stressed out every time it happened. That's that's fair, because sometimes you just, you brace for the, for the, for the bad stuff, and then it doesn't happen. But, speaking of, like, and it's good that those bad things don't happen, which will lead us into our good things for this episode, which are much more numerous. So, Sono, start us off. Okay, first and foremost, Merry Christmas to, to us, in particular. Uh, Gachireus is finally dead for real. Yeah, it's the present I didn't know I needed. Okay, that's that's actually a lie, because Bodie McDebag has been sucking all the air out of the room for a while now. But still, I didn't think I was going to get it on Christmas. Yeah. So, um, Merry Christmas know, to us. Yeah, Merry Christmas to us, season's beatings, to him and his corpse. That let's just, like, I will beat it like a dead horse. Because he also is dead. You see what I did there. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so I can't believe how much of a deep cut we start this episode on. With the the pizza delivery guy delivering for Doki Doki Pizza. Because um, this is a pizza chain that is pre-existing in the Sentai universe. Um, it is the pizza chain that Go On Green worked as a delivery driver for back in Go Onger. And I'm okay. pretty sure that this guy was not Masahiro Usui. Um, I couldn't find a credit for the pizza driver, but it doesn't look like him, and I haven't seen him post about it on social media. So I'm assuming it was not him. But I'm not sure why they'd pick a reference from a series more than 10 years old, but. It was clearly deliberate because they had, like, new pizza boxes. Those pizza bo- there are no way those pizza boxes were ten years old. So, like, someone wanted to make this joke for some reason, and I personally found it very funny. I'm, I'm just gonna guess someone on there was a fan. I, it zipped right past me because I don't really know Goanger, but, like, I have to say- if I would have noticed it and made that connection, I also would have had a very, very strong reaction, because I like those kinds of deep cuts. Yeah, it's Goanger was my first Sentai, Go On Green was my first Green Ranger, so he's, you know, very near and dear to my heart. And just the dude having the Doki Doki Pizza boxes, like, hey, hey, I'm here from, from Doki Doki Pizza, I'm like, are you serious? Are we making that joke? 
it, it was just very good, and I appreciate it. I don't know why it's there. I'm just glad that it is. It, I very much enjoyed it. I've also just come to really adore Weisel. Yeah. I have. Like, yeah. The fact that his whole plan is don't pay attention to Christmas, pay attention to me, is delightful and weird and exactly what I want from a Sentai Christmas special. I kind of wish that had been more of the plot of him trying to replace Santa with himself instead of just being like, okay, we're just going to erase Christmas and go straight to New Year's. Yeah, that would, yeah, same. But... Like, that whole bit was really funny, and the later him being really jealous of Precious because, like, Koreon likes her, too. And he's like, no, you're my friend. You tell me that I'm cool. Like, that was also very funny. I love Weisel. Same. And it took me a little to warm to him, mostly because, like, it didn't seem like he appreciated Koreon like Yada, even though he was a little better than, than Tonkjo, but, uh but now he's just leaning into being this petty, awful guy who just wants to be the center of the universe, and he's very happy that he's got a built-in audience in Crayon, and, like, that's brilliant. I'm gonna be sad when he gets gone. Yeah, it's just, I mean, he's so fun. He a, yeah, he is. He's a general, and he has to die, because that's just, that's the genre. But also, he's great. Because seriously... Even though he didn't spend a lot of time saying, I'm your new Santa, he is spending a lot of time straight up stealing stealing Santa Claus in order to be the center of attention. And that's the kind of bonkers supervillainy I can get behind, because that's... It's the silliest thing you can imagine for a supervillain plot. And he does it with such panache. And look, I don't ask for much... Like, my supervillain plots have to either be incredibly ambitious, like uh, in Q-Ranger, where uh, the evil bird, I forgot his name, but he's like, okay, my name is going to be Armageddon, and I'm going to become the entire universe? That is ambitious. And you either have to be there, or you have to be at, I want everyone to pay attention to me, but they're not. They like Santa Claus. I'm gonna destroy Santa. Like, you you have to be grand monologue or just stamping your foot like a child, but you're a child with the power of a god. I love it. Also, also love like, Weisel. I'll never... Yeah. And not to mention, he still has one of the best bits of physical comedy. Ah, it's so bright. Really? Ah! <laughs> Let me push up my visor. Is it really that bright? Oh, yeah, it is. Ah! Like, oh, God, he's so good. He really is. That, like, he was he was there in that episode where about all about uh, Asuna's uh, luck, the lucky side of her brute force, and um, I still love that episode. Also, I anyway. just I just enjoy how often the dude is disguising himself as a random lady. Yeah. Random lady, random kids, like, he, he just knows what's up. I'm very glad when you reported that in, in one of the stage shows, there's just an actress who just, it turns out, was Weisel the whole time. Yeah, the, um, you know, you have the lady who's hosting the stage show and, like, talks to the kids. Um, 
he kidnaps her at the beginning of the show and disguises himself as her for like half the show that's brilliant and tricks Conalo into marry like getting engaged to him so he can steal the the lightning soul it was great that's again like you can't have a Weisel as your main villain because your main villain has to have a a grander plan yeah like someone's got to be an actual threat but you know you just need a dude running around being petty and weird just it's it's something we all need in this life because i think on top of everything else like sure when i project myself onto a villain it's it, it you know i again i i want the the big grand one but also i just want the guy where i can just watch him be like yeah dude same because like look i i spend most of the holiday season um like two sentences away from a panic attack because that's just how I'm wired. That's fun. So, like, just a guy who's like, no. No. I'm going to destroy Christmas because I have a thing. <laughs> you know what? I respect that. Someone who's just small and petty and he doesn't have any grand ambitions. He just wants to defeat the Ryu soldiers just so everyone will understand that he's the best. Uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm, spy- I'm circling. I'm sorry. Okay, so on to the most important part of the episode. Oh, what's that? Bomba. Oh, in, in yeah. General. Um, <sighs> Bomba. But just mm. his his whole response to to this woman being like, "Oh, you brought all these toys for the kids. Why don't you come in and like give them to the kids? They would love that." And he's just like, "No, they would be scared of me." <laughs> I'm like, that's adorable. <laughs> You are a precious soul. Like, doubly so, his thousand-yard stare directly beyond and not at Melt when he realizes he's been caught. And he's just got these little hand gestures where you know he's trying to, like, come up with something and he just can't. Yeah. And look, like, first off, I like how that the, the thousand-yard stare, it just it just translates just easily into smoldering intensity which um whoo yes (laughs) yeah but like look given how his smoldering intensity could be easily mistaken for i'm about to disembowel you with my bare hands by a child i appreciate that dude's thinking that far ahead like good on you awareness of people like he's not great at it but he's aware of the effect he has on people. And that's, like, I celebrate that. Because that's a good thing you gotta do. But also, like, again, um, yeah, that dude can really do smoldering intensity. True and true. His is the reaction of a man who has seen how small children react to him and has just decided that's not what he's gonna do today. Yeah, no, I, um... At a, at, a, at a retail job I once had, I was just instructed, hey, Aleph, don't, don't like, talk to kids, because you just keep scaring them. You are a big man with a resting murder face, and when you are mopping the floors, and you, and you try to politely tell the kids, hey, you know, watch out, because I don't want you to slip, um, they think you are trying to murder them. So, like, just don't do that, Okay. So, so having said that, like, I, like, when Bomba's like, no, they'd be scared, 
I dig it, dude. Because, um, yeah, he's, he's I mean, an I feel intense that dude. To a degree, uh, I I too can tend to have a little bit of resting murder face, um, but I'm also you know kind of small and unassuming, so yeah, it's like, not I'm quite not... the same level of problem. Yeah, I'm not a massive dude, but I'm big enough that like. Mm. There are times where people see me and, like, I can feel the worry that just, like, just, boom, wafts off them. It's like, ah, you think I'm going to, like, murder you at random. I'm just going to cross the street so you know we're cool. And, you know, like, with kids, everything is, like, twice the size it actually is. Exactly. Like, like, I'm not mad at the kids. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just like, I'm sorry I made them think I was going to murder them. Um, But just... Like, the sheer rage when all of the Christmas stuff is gone and Bamba realizes that a Minosaur is to blame was, like, kind of a little intimidating. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no. He- Just, like, the fact that Toa knows what Christmas is makes me feel like it's maybe the one nice thing Bamba has let himself and his brother have over their decades of training. Especially since, you know, he dated that lady for a while. Mm-hmm. They and I mean there was probably at least one Christmas involved, and he just loves it so dang much. Yeah, he does, and especially when you consider how relatively recent Christmas is, you know, c- compared to a lot of other holiday celebrations over there. Like, it's a thing he might have been here for the start of, because Christmas, as we know it, is is like even in in the Western world, a pretty recent thing. At least in its its current incarnation. Yeah, I mean, he's like 300 years old, which is a lot when you think about it. Yeah, that's... Like, I'm just thinking of the, the number of cultural upheavals that have happened in my lifetime. And I try not to think about a lot of them sometimes, because it is very depressing. But, like, you know, take that times ten. Like, Honestly, to, it's to a wonder this dude functions context. at all. To put it into context, the dude has been around and out in the world probably since the late 1700s. Uh-huh. He's older, like, in-universe, in he's older than our country. Or, well, not like I'm in Sweden at the moment, but I'm from the States. <laughs> um, He, like, let's see. Yeah, the yeah, U.S. He... had probably, like, just happened as an independent yeah. country. Yeah, when like, he was, like, around the time into... he was born. Yeah. Um, so, okay. It was still the the Edo, the Edo period, because uh, that was apparently from 1603 to 1868. So he was there in the Edo period, y'all. That's That dude has seen some stuff. Man, it's amazing that we really have not busted out the, the Kyoto Edo period set for him. Right? Man, I, that's a, that is a, like, that is a solo movie I want to watch. Young Bamba in Edo, in, in like, the Edo period. Heck, okay, and maybe this is just because I want to see him in one of the uniforms, but, uh, Bamba in, in Meiji era? I mean, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, free fanfiction idea. Bamba meets Roroni Kenshin. Go! I may have to to talk to Suri about that one. That anyway, uh, anyway, that might sorry, be his but... wheelhouse. Like I know, coming coming back to this kind of, I know the joke of the episode is Bamba is using Christmas to impress this lady he likes. 
But I think it's kind of both, given how angry he is in general about the thought of Christmas being erased, and not just how it relates to this lady responding to him doing a nice thing. Yeah, no. Because, like, at the end of the whole bit in the house where they're actually, like, discussing what they think is going on, when Asuna is screaming about how she's gonna beat up the Minosaur to get her cakes back, Bamba's like, yeah, we're gonna do that. And he's, like, he's clearly not in a mental state where he could be, like, lying and kind of, like, going along with it to hide what he's got going on because just due to sheer blind rage, the blinders are on, he can only move in one direction. Yes. Like, he, he says nothing about the kids, nothing about the teacher, he just wants everyone to get their Christmas and everyone just happens to include this lady he's trying to impress. Though, the, the and, bit and of him getting directly in Melt's face anytime he tries to bring it up and, like, dance around it so he doesn't get snapped in half is very, very funny. I mean, yeah, it really is. It probably shouldn't be, because, like, it is someone threatening to snap Melt in half with his bare hands. But it's, it's but just an it's, implied threat. He never physically, like, no, tries... He never actually physically threatens him. He's just no. like, hey, don't. And since it is all in the service of highlighting that Bamba has a soft spot, it's it's fine. Also, like, they do mention, if if I recall correctly, like, he's been dropping off presents for those kids for the kids at that daycare for a while. Yes, he has so, done it. He has been doing it at least two years before this, the way that plurality works. Yeah, so, like, look, he might be trying to impress that lady. I'm, like, I don't know what the turnover rate is at a daycare, but I'm betting, like, she's, like, this is another year he's been by for it, and she's just like, whoa, you just do this, don't you? And that's why she wants to go out with him. But just, like, look, I was... Again, we all know that I was going to be the one to say it, because um, I guess I'm just the the most shameless about my crush on Bamba. But um, on top of that smoldering intensity, dude being ready to tear someone in half for disrespecting the idea of Christmas and taking away those children's smiles was one of those things where I didn't know I could find him more attractive. I know, right? Like, I hope it's not too terribly gross to say that, but, like, like on top of being very handsome and, like, caring about people in his very, like, stoic way, uh, he also cares about making a bunch of kids he doesn't know smile. He wants to do it anonymously, because he doesn't even want credit for it. He doesn't even want to stand there and watch them be happy. He just wants to give them presents, and then just disappear into the aether. Yeah, exactly. Just like Santa. And he will defend their smiles with his life, as we see in these episodes. And it's just like, what a guy. But also, like, the way that the the lady who works at the daycare was looking at him, and the way he was meeting her eyes back, like, there is a reason we've called this episode Bamba Still Gets Down. Because Bamba Fs, y'all. Sure does. There is, sorry, I will hear no, like, counterpoint or question to it. 
Bamba like Bamba gets down. Yes, um, I just I love Sentai and a Sentai Christmas episode's ability to take the stiff, grumpy member of the team and just make them the most human. Yeah, like because you like if you had any questions about who Bamba was before. You, you don't know. You know who he is. You know what he's about. Yes, he's stiff. Yes, he's distant. Yes, he has trouble expressing himself. But at the end of the day, he's a guy isn't even technically out in the regular world, but still pulls a Santa Claus. He's, he's a secret Santa for a group of kids he doesn't know and has never met. Why? Because he just thinks that's a good thing to do. And if you mess with that, he will murder you to death. And, like, that tells you something about him. And all of those things are things that just make me want to say, take me, I'm yours. Yep. Because, um... Because, look, there's, there's being intense and hot and, like, a generally good person. And then there's being intense and hot and also a really good person. And sorry... Uh, if you just give presents to random children because you just think it's nice to do that, like, that's pretty attractive on its own. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, like I'm just going to try to not be on this subject anymore because we do not need to turn this into just uh, an Aleph and Sono are very attracted to the guy who plays Bomba cast. We could. We could. Uh, we do sometimes, to. but we could. But, uh... Let's, let's not, because it just seems uh, in bad taste. Yeah, and, like, honestly, we got all kinds of fun character matchups this episode, because we've got a lot That's of stuff true. with Bamba and Toa, or Bamba and Melt. We've got Toa kind of awkwardly following Asuna to buy three cakes for herself, and just being like, I don't know what to do about this situation, which was delightful. Yeah, no, it was so good. And there was a part of me that thought he was going to question it or try and stop her, and I'm glad he didn't, because, like, I like the kid, and I don't want to see him snapped in half like a toothpick, because he, he is a little skinny boy. But still, the, the, like, the look on his face was just, mwah, it was perfect. Dude is getting still, I think what I like is that you can see that he's still getting used to being a part of this wild team that was already established when he got there. And it also really drives home how kind of, like, weird and quirky, even for a Super Sentai, a lot of the Ryu soldiers are. Which, um, I like. I like that we can just have those moments of seeing them from the outside and appreciating, oh yeah, that is really intense. But also, I love it. Yeah. Like, I don't think he even, he ever really considered stopping her. He just wants to be sure, like, okay, are two of these for you and one for the rest of us? Or are, no, are all three of these for you? Because he probably wants cake. Oh, I mean, But, yeah, like, they, the, the kid has some survival instincts and is like, I need to check if I'm entitled to any of this cake or she will, like, bite my hand. Don't reach your hand over there. You will lose it. I mean, I feel like she could have just done a, okay, and what are you getting? But that's neither here nor there. I mean, the fact that he knew all of it was hers, he may have before we got there. That's true. I really love the bit of P-Town, like, trying to explain Santa to Tiramigo and Chibigaru, 
and is like, yeah, Santa's food, because I, I definitely know about Santa. I haven't been at the bottom of the ocean for the past couple hundred years. Oh, no, he was only at the bottom of the ocean for, like, six months, I think. But he was in space for a while. Like, dude, dude has no real reason to know about Santa. Like, it was just it's very Santa. cute. It was. But at the same time, like, anything to get everyone hype about defending Santa Claus, right? And and on top of that, hey, look, every family basically has their own twist or or local understanding of Santa Claus. So in the Ryu Soul tribe, Santa can be a food, and Tiramigo can have a little Santa as a, a little, as a treat. A little Santa as a treat. <gasps> oh man, get him one of them chocolate Santas. Oh my God, yeah. Like the hollow chocolate Easter bunnies, and just give him one of those. Heck yeah. Like. You know, because even, like, a full-size one, like, he's really big. It's fine. Yeah. He, can, he can have the whole thing. That's that's still only a little Santa. For him, yes. Um, it was also just very cute when Kanalo also doesn't know who Santa is. Like, the whole team has been pretty sheltered, but you know Master Pink brought Christmas to these dang kids. That's just how she is. Like, because we know that she was running off to normal society to, like, go shopping and eat food. She was just like that. Um, so she definitely was like, these kids would love Christmas. We're going to take them out into the woods and do Christmas if the elder's going to yell at us, but I am not going to let these kids not do this. Look, and all I can think is if elder wants to yell at her, she's just like, Hey, I'm a Ryusoul knight. I'm here to give, I'm here to put my life on the line fighting giant monsters from the sound. Like she probably did fight some giant monsters. So, um, you know, try and stop her from having a Christmas. Just try it, old man. But, like, poor Connolo's been at the bottom of the ocean his whole life and is too wrapped up in his, like, find-a-wife business to have paid attention to literally anything going on around him in the past month. Yeah, he's, um, not the most perceptive fella. However, I just... My thing with that whole exchange was just me lorecrafting what that says about the Sentai vs. Santa, because, okay, stick with me. Most iterations just go where there are good children and leave them presents, even though that could be a weird thing, because not everyone celebrates Christmas, and I respect that, but at the same time, I feel like Santa should just be giving presents to all the good little children on Earth. That's, that's a personal thing. But that implies that Santa, who is not exactly omniscient, but pretty close to it, somehow was either unaware of the Sirius Soul tribe, or opts not to go down there because it's guarded by a giant dinosaur. But he's got Christmas anyway. I I could just keep going and getting deep into the mechanics of Santa Claus in a Tokusatsu universe, but um. I'm going to stop because this isn't that's another show that this could just turn into cuz um I would love to just do a whole episode about pop cultural appearances of Santa Claus and what they mean for hashtag North Pole lore according to each individual series and that's just dangerous. That may be a rider jump for next Christmas is uh Tokusatsu Santas. Who boy, that is definitely going near the top of list of shows we've threatened our audience with. Cause, uh, right up there with the I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog episode. 
we're gonna do that. Yes, yes, we are. Um, and but and there... when that happens, you cannot say we did not threaten you. Yep, we told you many times. Um, but Goanger does have Santa World, or maybe it's Christmas. It's either Christmas World or Santa World, um, which is a universe entirely populated by Santas, whose job it is to go to the human world and do Santa things at Christmas. Uh, so we so may have a starting point for that lore. It's the best of all possible universes. Yes. Because every inhabitant is that kind of kind and generous and will spend an entire year preparing toys to just give to good children all over the world. They and do like, threaten someone and the go-on wings. I forget who the go-on wings end up there with. They're not good children. They're neither good nor children. No, it's, it's I forget who they and who they're there with in I think Goanger versus Shinkenger. Yes, it's Goanger versus Shinkenger. Um, I forget which one of the Shinkengers they end up in Santa World with, and I think the Santas were just mad because they were not Santas, and you're not supposed oh. to be there if you're not a Santa. In fairness, Santa is is traditionally quite secretive. Though they, maybe it's because they pretended to be Santas to, like, I don't know, I forget. Lying gets you on the naughty list. Sorry. It's, that movie is not bad, but Go, Go Kaija vs. Go Busters is the better version of that movie. Um, they have the same plot, essentially. <laughs> they, they work in the same way. The teams get separated and sent to different places. It's just oh, a better. Uh, it's just a better incarnation of that movie. I mean, let's be real. Also, uh, Gokaiger versus uh, Gobusters has the the hot pirate costumes. That's true. When they're just walking and there's like the heat haze and like you just pass out because, oh boy. God, I do love the hot pirate costumes. Even yeah. if Marvelous's pirate hat was very stupid. Yeah, look, he... He did that make it time, work, though. Yeah, he was at the height of his power. Nowadays, like, look, fatherhood is a good look on him. He couldn't pull that off now, I don't think. I don't I don't believe so, but man, I, I do love the hot pirate costumes. Yeah. Uh, but next Christmas, we may have to sit down and chart out the, like, 2002 current... Uh, Toei Tokusatsu Santas and uh, see what we come up with. If nothing else, like, the best incarnation is the one in Wizard. Kamen Rider Wizard, because that's the one where Santa comes from the collective unconscious to do a good deed and make sure some children get their presents and also uh, give a nice orphan boy just a place to feel like he belongs. Well, he's not a boy. He's a, he's a young man. He used to be an orphan. It's it's very sweet, but also like that also that one also undercuts like a lot of the the potentially uh, problematic stuff about Santa because a lot of people will talk about Santa as if the gifts that he gives are are material proof of individual virtue, and um, boy, every time I hear that someone took it that way, I, I like I want to go and shake them because <laughs> like here's the thing about Santa. Bamba is doing the Santa thing. Why do you do it? Because it's nice to do something nice for someone, 
and not get credit for it. Like, those kids don't, like, they didn't know Bamba. They weren't gonna. He just was like, hey, just let them have some presents. Why? Because kids should get presents. And um, that's the way it should be. Wow, I'm sorry. Like, that was a whole episode of of, <laughs> of the show. Let's move on before I just start Santaing again. Okay, so I adore how just impressed the entire team is at Asuna barehanded, no suit, beating the heck out of this Minosaur. Like, even Melt, who knows she's like this, who has witnessed her throw their best friend into the side of a mountain for no reason, um, is just, has to take a second to just watch in awe and absorb the raw power of Asuna having had her cake taken away. And look, let this be a lesson to us all. Never be, never get between someone who is bright pink and their cake. It's as true for Asuna as it is for Kirby. No, but seriously, like, there's a Kirby game. I think it's called Squeak Squad in the States. That's just, like, little pink puffball annihilates, like, eight levels of dudes because they stole his cake. He could get another cake. I feel like this is the plot of most Kirby games. Yeah. Well, sometimes there's, like, a, a devil that's gonna try and, like, corrupt the dreamland or something. Yeah, but you don't get to that until- I feel like this is how most Kirby games start. No, at the end of the game, it is you beat the final one of the the, the rodent thieves who stole your cake and you get your cake back. Bless. And, like, in the middle you fight some of the traditional Kirby bosses, but it's like, no, these mice dudes just really wanted Kirby's cake, and they were willing to employ some demons to keep it. And, like, on the one hand, I appreciate that kind of commitment to, hey, we've decided we want to make an enemy of Kirby, but boy, that's a bad idea. That is, uh, a mistake. Yeah, he's a living void who, like, just saps an aspect of your personality and wears you like a hat and then spits what's left of you out. Kirby's a nightmare. Anyway, what I'm saying is that Austin and Kirby should be BFFs, and that is another bit of crossover fic I want to see. I'm down for that. Because can you imagine Austin just hugging a Kirby? That's the cutest thing ever, right? Yeah... Because, you know, and then they just sit down and enjoy, like, eight boxes of cake each. <laughs> and so then event eventually there'd just be a bit where she's like, oh, I'm full. Kirby, you want the rest of mine? And he's just, you know, there'd be a cute sound. And he'd just start scarfing it, and it'd be adorable. Poyo! Exactly. Poyo. I think that's the sound he makes. Poyo! Yeah, it's been it's been a minute. Poyo is, but... is the, the Tetris-alike. Yes. Poyo is, is the Kirby sound. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, Asuna just wrecking that Minosaur, like, between her and Bamba, there were just some really excellent out-of-suit fights in this episode. Very true. And I know it's Sakamoto, so that's to be expected, um, but it really kind of felt above and beyond in some places. Like, the whole bit of Bamba fighting with the roses and not even noticing, like winning winning that fight because he didn't realize he wasn't holding a sword anymore like that was kind of a top tier fight yeah that is very true 
I loved that. Like the the bit where he's in the Santa suit and the teacher gets in on the fight. Like, that was really good, and props to Ayaka Komatsu for being one of the few fully civilian characters in a Sentai to, like, get to kick a monster in the face. Right? I mean, of course, she is one of the few who is very qualified for it, given that she played Sailor Venus in Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon back in the day. And really? thus has seen her fair share of tokusatsu action fights. Uh, but yes, she was, uh, she even did the pose at the end, uh, with the kids, when she does the little, uh, V-sign next to her face. Oh, I did- wow. Okay, so that's one more character from the Pretty Guardian show for the reu- for, like, the weird sidelong reunion that Ryu Soldier is doing. Yeah, we've got kind of, like, half the cast now. Man, I, like, there's a part of me that's hoping that by the end we'll just get the rest of them just in a crowd shot or something? I don't know. Yeah, like, I forget who Master Red was, but I know he was in it. Wasn't he, wasn't he, um, Tuxedo Mask, or was that Master No, Red? that was Master Blue. Uh, um, I forget was who some, or, or was he, um, what was the name of the guy who worked at the arcade? Oh, I don't remember, but I don't, I don't think he was him. No, okay. Um... I can look this up real quick. Because otherwise we're just going to be... It will bother yeah. me. Um, we'll, we'll edit this down a little bit. I'm gonna, I'll make a note. Oh, he was he was Tuxedo Mask's friend. He was uh, the guy who works at the arcade. Okay, so, yeah, alright. Is that who you said, or, or did you say the guy at the temple? I, I meant... I, I think I said the guy at the arcade, but I might have said temple. I meant the arcade. Okay, um, he, he was the guy at the arcade. Yeah, either way, just, yeah, they've got so much of the, okay, maybe not so much, they got a lot of the cast, though. Yeah, they got- Maybe you bring in the guy who played Jedi or something. Yeah, I mean, bring in the rest of the girls if you can get them, you've got three more. Yeah, I, like, I don't know what else they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but, I don't know, it would be very cute to see more of them, but it was, she- got to do some fights, and I thought that was neat. I have to agree. But also, Bamba fighting in the Santa suit was a gift and a treasure, and along with Reindeer Tiramigo, they are just images that I will treasure in my heart for the rest of my days. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's very fair. And also, okay, I know we've done some limited sidelong dragging of Koichi Sakamoto, so... I guess this is maybe not balancing because, boy, he, the things we criticize him for. But still, um, last time I know we expressed, at least I expressed, a certain worry that Sakamoto might be losing his flair for action scenes, uh, especially when people keep him from being a creep. But uh, it's nice to see that he can both do good action and not be a creep. So, you know, everyone has their off days. That's fine. Also, I just, uh, just, I, I hate having to brace every time he's doing a thing. Anyway, moving on. Um, I do, Toa just being like, ah, yes, that is what it was. My brother wanted to protect the innocent joy of these children. And just kind of the face that Melt makes, where he's like, hmm, yeah, okay, that's what we're calling it. Like, that was a very fun bit of acting, and, and Bamba just immediately turned and be like, do not say words to my brother. Close your I mean, mouth. 
yeah. Look, like one, that was a very good bit because I I want. It's just it was a very good moment, but also like okay on top of, I I really feel like that really was his goal, impressing Sailor Venus. That's just that's extra. I mean, it's nice that he can protect the innocent joy of these children. But hey, like if you can protect the the innocent joy of children and also make out with Sailor Venus, the soldier of love, that's uh that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, hey, why not both dot gif? Yeah, exactly. Truer words, yo. Oh, that that joke doesn't work very, quite as well in audio, but uh I'm still a big fan of just referring to the gifts themselves because I'm that kind of extremely online person. Uh, if you are not, dear listener, um, I'm impressed that you're still listening, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, it, go on. It, it was just nice to see both Melt and Bomba get to be super expressive this episode since the both of them are generally more subdued. I mean, I know we get a lot of fear expression out of Melt next episode, but we got kind of a lot of very visual comedy out of the two of them, and that's rare, and I'm just, I'm glad we got to see it. It does a lot for both of them as characters, especially with their dynamic. And it just, it does make me sad that Melt hasn't had much opportunity to be, like, the dry observational comedy guy. Because even if he doesn't say anything, his looks are there, and he just, he nails it. Yeah, like, let the boy clown on his friends a little. It was nice to see him make jokes that were not him just, like, being aggressive towards Asuna about how much she eats. Yeah. Honestly, if they would just occasionally let him look into the camera like Jim from The Office... Yeah, just let him do what, uh, what Naga did. Yeah. Just look at the thing... I can't believe this. And, like, just let him have that much, he becomes that much better. Man, I will... Well, what didn't I love about Naga, really? Yeah, it's... Naga was truly very special. But just the... I do not think he's being accurate. Like, those were great. They shouldn't have worked. But they're one of the things I remember most fondly about Q-Ranger. Anyway, moving on. It's, it was also just very cute seeing Kanalo, like, kind of overwhelmed by the party. Mm. It was another really nice humanizing moment for him that I kind of wish we got more of in the show because he needs those moments more than anyone. Yeah, he really does. And especially since it was such a good moment because, like, I, I really, I understood him in that moment. Because a party full of hyperactive children, or being more honest, um, regular active children, because regular active children are a lot more energized and active than I ever have been since I turned, you know, since I was in my double digits, really. Like, ever since I hit my teens, I just, I got way more chill. But it's, it's just the sort of thing to put a body on edge, man. I want. I would just wish the show would keep letting him have a real personality that was not like being weird about his sister. Because I want to like him, but the show makes it so difficult. Yeah, it's just like having him be kind of off to the side, being like, "I've never been at a party like this. I've never been in a room full of children that are kind of just let loose to have fun." 
or at a party that was at all just everyone gets to let loose and have fun because again he is royalty any party that he's been to has been very subdued most likely Mm. and having him be like i don't really know what to do here i'm glad everyone's having fun i'm not having a bad time i just kind of want to be over here like that was nice that like i'm like there are things about this that make sense for you and i just i want him to i want him to be a character before the end that's all i want at this point i know we're trying yeah we're trying i don't know how much john toe is trying but we are you and i you and i are making an effort um but i guess that takes us into episode 40 yeah yeah um, I like that we see Toa still struggling with how much he relies on his speed. Um, I know it's been a bit since we addressed that, since it was first brought up by Melt, but Toa has been training in that style for decades, and he says himself, like, it's a force of habit, and he's trying to retrain himself to not rely on his speed so much because he knows it leaves him vulnerable, but he's just, this is the way he's used to fighting. He's fought this way for probably about a century. That's... I have trouble enough if I do something for a week straight. Like, it was just very interesting that that was brought back up, and the way that that then has him affected by the fog, I feel like what his fear would be written out on paper as is not being good enough at fighting another way to do his duty. Which might be exacerbated by Bamba's fear of anything hurting his brother, the only family that he has. Like, Bamba being afraid of Toa getting hurt has him tell Toa that he can't fight like this and to sit on the side. And telling Toa that he can't fight probably only made Toa's fear worse because the reason he can't fight is because of his speed. And that kind of puts them in this really sad feedback loop until Toa's just not having it anymore. Which, like, first off, him dragging himself to the fight because, of course he does. He's part of a Super Sentai. Of course he was going to do that. Still, it was awesome. Um, Two, his friends telling him not to do that because he's hurt is something I feel like other tokusatsu heroes that John Toei is also working with could really learn from, even if they'll be immediately overridden. And three, um, I just appreciate that they didn't even really need to explain why or that it worked that way. They just showed what happened and then did the explanation of, oh, the fog makes your fears real. And they just they just let you reverse engineer that, and I just I thought that was very clever. Yeah, and I mean, even... We know that it's because it makes the fears real before they even tell us. Mm-hmm. So it's... Because they show it to us. Yeah, there's a lot of very good showing and not telling in this episode. Also, like, okay, this isn't a statement of you're bad if you did, or I'm insulting anyone. I just never really cared to watch or read It, uh, Stephen King's It. Uh, or any of the adaptations thereof. I just it just was never a thing I got into. But I still imagine that the the mirror fog minosaur, like this is kind of what Pennywise does, right? Because it's it's cool and it's subtle and above all, it is mean. 
just like a creeping horror mirror fog monster should be. I I just kept expecting there to be a horror clown and for it to be trying to do a Tim Curry impression. Or I guess uh is it Bill Skarsgård? I have no I idea. I don't know. I, um, I haven't watched I, it. I too have generally avoided it in most incarnations, uh just because I'm not super into horror as a visual medium and also i have a hard time with books anymore um and you know at a point at which i didn't have a hard time physically reading a book i was not into horror in general executive dysfunction will do things to your everything it's yeah. not very fun um also like speaking of the the mirror and the fog and the monster um and just because I, I hope it's true, we meant, you mentioned up top, Sono, that a lot of people just stared right into the visions of your own death mirror. And, like, Ko and Conalo did it after it had been defeated. But uh, Koreon just kept peeping at it and insulting it and staring straight in and saw nothing. Which I think means our girl is immortal. I mean, effectively, we've powered, kind of seen that she is. Uh, she gets blown up at the beginning of 39 by Precious and comes back and is just like, hey, that kind of hurt, so maybe don't do it next time? But we're cool, don't worry about it, it's not a problem or anything. And has been doing pretty much that multiple times over the course of the show. Like, I, don't, I just don't think you can kill the kid. No, I think you are correct, because, look, you can stomp on one mushroom, but unless you get all the spores and all the, the like, clear out the dirt and everything else, it's gonna be back. Uh, our girl is, is she's just not gonna get killed, and I think maybe that's what freed, in my head, that's what freed whatever anger was in the mirror. Just, hey, here's someone who's just gonna look at me, and, like, not, they can't see the specter of death, so I just have lost my power. Also, they're very mean to me. Because, you know, Korean's not always very nice. I mean, like, look, I know it is that thing where maybe the mirror is only said to show you horrible visions of your death, but, like, that only highlights for me, though, how sweet Ko's bit at the end was. Because I just, I really like, hey, maybe it had all those negative emotions because everyone's afraid of it. Let's be nice, like... What if we just smile at it? That'll make it happy. That and was... again, like, I like that Conalo's the first one to step up and be like, I'm gonna smile at it too, then. Like, he was That's... really good in these two episodes. He really was. Also, um, I know we've mentioned it before, but the whole thing where objects can be the sources of Minosaurs, and frankly some of the coolest and weirdest ones, still one of the best ideas the people making the show ever did. Yes. I was so afraid that it was just going to be that one time and we weren't going to do it again, but we've, we've circled back to it a few times and I, it makes me very happy. Yeah, I'm I'm very proud of this show for not falling into Common Rider Wizard's trap of the despair just coming from being afraid to die every yeah. episode. Uh, yeah, they've really been true. very creative with freaking people out. Um, yeah, they, and the fact that we've had like three or four object minosaurs has just been real neat. Mm-hmm. Because it just, it adds another weird dimension to everything going on. Uh, and again, they make some of the neatest monsters, because 
before it turned into the thing from Melt's Nightmare, it was just like this formless mist, and there were like these shining mirror things in the fog that was kind of making this abstract suggestion of a building that wasn't really there, and I was just... I lost my sugar a bit at how cool that was, dude. That it just was very, very cool. And look, that's all on top of the fact that weird mirror monsters is one of my favorite things in, like, all of fiction. So on top of them just doing a cool thing that I like, they also did it in a way that I'd not seen before that was really cool to look at, and that's just icing on the cake. And just... Also explained really easily, like, hey, why does this Minosaur not look like any other Minosaur? Because it, it only has one head, and it's on its head, not on its chest. It had the little, like, skeletal skull buckle thing on its chest, but, like, it was such a different thing. And of course it was. It came out of Melt's imagination from when he was a kid. Yeah, like, he didn't really know what Minosaurs looked like then. He yeah. just imagined the scariest thing he could, which was a very pointy demon man. Which, I mean, look, in fairness, like, I think it's pretty scary. Yeah, like, if I was a child, I would be terrified of that. Yeah. Honestly, if I saw that just walking down the street one day, I would be very terrified of that. Especially, like, if it didn't look like a costume. Like, if it just looked yeah. like what it would look like if it was a pointy demon ogre man. Anyway, the month. We've said it before, let's say it again, uh, the monster designs in this show are really good. Yes. Not always great, but, like, overall, real good. So, the most important thing we learned in this episode is that we can pass the Reusol Caliber around to the whole team. Anyone on the team can use it. Yes. Which is amazing, and I hope that the next, like three or four episodes are just Toa, Asuna, and Bamba also getting a turn at it as we then transition into the endgame. Yes, please. That needs to happen. Like, I'm a little bit bummed that Melt getting to use it in this episode was basically a moot point because it didn't do anything. But he did get to use it, which opens the door for everyone using it, and just, like, maybe we'll see it passed back to him again after everyone else gets to use it, and he'll do something cool. I think he deserves that. Like, as and as bummed as I am that it didn't really have an effect, narratively, that was actually really nice. Like, I really liked that the reason was because Kanalo was worried about the safety of his friends, Especially because the reason that he got Reusol Caliber is that he chose duty over comrades. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I kind of understand because it's a thing of, like, if I don't do my duty, I won't have my comrades. Um, and, the, again, the fact that they framed it that way does not make me question his choice at all. No, yeah. But just the fact that he was very, so worried about them that it affected the monster... And that in, it wasn't instead this whole bit about him having some hallucination of being rejected by a bunch of women. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm so glad. Wow, that isn't that the joke they keep making with him? Like, yep. It, it was very nice that they got to express his fear that way, and having him admit how much he cares about everyone and is afraid of losing them and genuinely, like, really loves them as his friends was really sweet. And, you know, then having Asuna step in and being like, yeah, I also was kind of afraid of that. And having Bamba be like, 
yeah, I also got afraid of that. You know, this is why I worry about getting attached to people. Like, Which, that was very like, sweet. Oh, that was so intense. But, okay, not to bring us to a really dark and sad place for too very long, but I have to say, this is one of those moments where having Nada leave us like he did, not only did, like, the diffuse thing of, oh, dang, they'll do that, but it adds so much to a moment like this. They don't even have to bring it up, could have done, but they didn't have to because you are aware, oh, right, they've already lost someone, so of course they're extra thinking about it because they know it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I do wish that they had brought it up and that instead of thinking about Master Black, Bamba had kind of come back to grieving over Nada. Um, in his fear of losing the others, because this is sort of how he lost Nada. Uh Um, and, like, I know he's got plenty of other stuff going on, and we'll talk about that in a hot second, but, like, Nada only died, like, a month and a half ago. Yeah, they, like, it is, it has been weird for me how little we are talking about him now. It's, it's right up there with, with that bit where, where Ko says, like, I'm not depressed, I'm trying to think about how to make this work, and I'm like, "Mm." You should be a little depressed, dude. But, you know, fine, whatever. I just, we could, I could go on about that forever, too. But I just appreciate when even super-powered fighty people take a moment to acknowledge and articulate that the fear of death is both a real thing and a scary thing. Because not only did they do it in a manner that I would argue is genre and demographic appropriate, but also because, like, I think it's good to normalize being able to talk about being scared because like it's it like everyone's afraid sometimes baby it's just what happens and also the other side and the thing that makes it imp- like maybe not improve our heroes but make us like them more is because if you're not scared you can't be brave so not only is seeing them be scared and overcome it make you think they're better people you also get that moment of, oh yeah, they're scared too, but they're going to rise up, and you know, you feel better watching them do it, and you kind of hope that you can do it too, and I just... Oof, you just uh, punched Kyoryuja right in the face. Oh, did I? Um, a whole thing with Kyoryuja is that, like, the whole motif was, they're the bravest. Okay. And they just keep saying the word brave over and over and over, and it never means anything. And, like, here... So I'm guessing Daigo never had the bit where he's like, I'm paralyzed by fear because of this monster, but no, I will push through it? Yeah, no, there's... No one has that. No one gets that ever in the show. That's... And that's a Sentai crime, I'm sorry. They just keep shouting the word brave over and over and over and i'm like please god i just look i just i've had it in me ever since i saw the movie angus in high school um because near the end of angus there's this great speech from his grandpa about like look superman isn't brave why because like nothing can touch superman but a regular man they have to be brave because they can be harmed you can be hurt now get out there and do it, kid. And like, I don't know. I always liked that. And seeing seeing our heroes push past their fear to embrace something else, 
confidence in their friends, faith in tomorrow, whatever. It's just, it's really beautiful. And then, like, you have that whole moment of everyone kind of expressing that fear and Ko kind of turning that around and giving everyone kind of the the speech of, like, hey, it's good that we're all afraid because that means we all genuinely care about each other. And as long as we're all, as long as we all care about each other, we'll be okay. And then they emphasize that by having Toa just throw himself into where they are, even though he can't walk. Because he's just like, y'all are risking your lives. I can't just sit at home while you do that. That was so strong. Yeah, it really was. I mean, hey, guess what? Um, if you didn't already think Bamba and Toa were the best, these two episodes will get you there. Yeah, God, I love them. Because, like, look, I like our main three. Our, our red, blue, pink. They're great. Um, but boy, our, like, team isolated sword people, uh, team team brothers in arms, they're my favorites. They rule so hard. I I really do adore them. Um, and then we, you know, I, I know that I said I wish he'd kind of talked about Nada, but we do get some of that really good Bamba trauma that you and I both love. It's true. And I think this is kind of the signal that we're finally going to head into that backstory behind Masters Black and Green. Or I guess at this point, Master Black, we kind of know Master Green's backstory and what happened to him. Yeah, he... he... You know, we did kind. Of, we do still kind of have Master Black open, and at this point, given what we saw, I'm not a hundred percent sure in my assertion that maybe Master Black is a lady. But you know, we'll see. We live I'm, in hope. I'm still holding it in my heart, but I think we're really gonna get into why Bamba felt so betrayed by them leaving, and by you know the Ryu Soul Tribe in general, and why he became so isolationist. And I'm just living for that story arc. Oh, same hat, Sono. Same hat. And it's a thing they've not really... It's a thing they've had to eventually get to, because it's a thing that's been hanging over the whole series, but also they haven't been... They haven't been, like, mystery-boxing it. They haven't been, Oh, what is the nature of this mystery? Who knows what happened to Master Black? Ah!" Like, they never do that. But it's always there. And I just, I appreciate the discipline and skill it took to not be constantly waving it in front of our faces, while at the same time keeping it on a low simmer the entire show. Like, this is, this is a real good Sentai, y'all. Yeah, it is. I know, this is kind of what I've been saying to anyone that I've been pitching this series to. This is the best one we've gotten since Gokaiger. Like, there are, there are some that I feel more strongly about than others. I love Tokyuja. I thought Tokyuja was great. I like Q-Ranger. I like Lupot. I like Go-Busters. But this is the best one we've had since Go-Kaiger. Well, like, I, I, I call it the... For me, it's the, the Kuga-Forza factor. Because Kamen Rider Kuga, like, on a technical level, on, on like, a tightness of theming, on direction like on all of the technical levels it is the best show period it is the best common writer show however common writer fours is my favorite warts and all common writer fours speaks to my 
it speaks past my technical appreciation and just speaks to my gut. And Kuga also... What's that? That's valid. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's, it's a thing where I think as critics and just as people, I think it's always good to cultivate an appreciation for the difference between what your favorite is and what good is. Because just because you like something, that doesn't make it good. I like a lot of things that are terrible. I like the 1986 animated Transformers movie. Have you ever watched it? It's not very good. I have watched it. And that was my reaction to it. Uh-huh. Because I was watching it when I was, like, 19. Yeah. If you didn't watch it when you were, like, 5, or, you know, somewhere between 5 and 10, it's not very good. Because <laughs> it's... I mean, it's just another one of Star Wars' runty children, except told by... Anyway, it's just... It's not a well-made movie, but at the same time, it hits me where I live. And I don't have to... I can say it's not very good. Honestly, most of Transformers is not very good. But there's something about it that speaks to me, and that has attached to me, and I like it. And, but yeah, I think Ryu Soldier, on a technical level, yeah, this is probably the best Sentai has been since Gokaiger. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, we all we all have things like that. Yeah, I'm a look. Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Yeah, exactly. Look, so, I love Tokyuger. We both love Tokyuger. Yeah, like there I is mean, no look, shame. Tokyuger held Tokyuger held that that title until Ryu Soldier came along. And like, look, there's no shame to coming in second to the best. I know that there are people who say that second place is first loser. Those people suck. And I mean, like, Those look, there is... boring. I've, I've, again, Ryu Soldier is the best. Honestly, it's probably my favorite since of the, of the Go Busters to Ryu Soldier era. I think it, it does barely edge out Tokyuger. Just... Because, God, all of it is so strong. Nothing in, in Ryu Soldier yet has quite hit me the way Wagon did. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, I couldn't I couldn't stand her. I wish that we had covered Tokyuger on this show. Big same. Just so there was, like, audio record of my transition with her. Well, because fairness, I hated her. In fairness... In the first couple, before you understood what they were doing with her, like, she's a weird, like, kind of hypersexualized lady robot. Yeah, there's a lot that can go ugly as, as sin in there, man. Yeah, it's, I couldn't stand her for the first maybe five or six episodes she's in. And I'm not sure what it was. I cannot pinpoint the moment I turned around on her. But if you, like, I love Wagon. Wagon is one of my favorite Sentai characters of all time. I adore her probably beyond what she deserves. Sometimes that happens. She did, like, win that whole show. Yeah. That show, they would have gotten the bad end without her feeling sad about missing those kids and telling Akira to go put an envelope in a tree for them. And oh. nothing, nothing in Ryu Soldier has quite gotten me the way that she has as much as 
lord, I do love them so dearly with all of my heart. And, like, no, none of them have quite... Eh, no, Bamba and Akira are probably on the same level for me. That's probably... They have hit equal ground, but, like, that that extra step of wagon um, isn't quite there. But, you know, that's nothing to Ryu Soldier's detriment. There's... Oh, no. I really think that Ryu Soldier is the most technically... I don't want to say perfect, because it's not perfect. No, but it is one of the but most, the most like, like, technically sound yeah. Sentai we've had since Gokaiger. Yeah, I would I would get with that. And look, I mean, the a lot of times people hear something like that, and, and the instinct is, okay, I'm gonna fight you, because you, you denigrated the thing I like, and it's like, no, we're not, like, I want it on record. I don't think we're denigrating anything. We're just like saying, hey, look, this is just kind of where we're thinking things are. And it's not one has to be the winner. It's just we get more Sentai and they are trying to improve all the time. And that's awesome. Yeah. And like, look, with the exception of Ninja, because I haven't watched it, I don't dislike any Sentai from Go Busters to now. The only reason I'm excluding Ninja is because I haven't watched it, so I can't form an opinion of it. Even Kill Ryuger, which I have a lot of criticisms of, there is a lot of stuff in it that I really like that is enough to hold the show above water for me. Like, I like a lot of things in Kill Ryuger, even if the show itself underperformed for me personally. Yeah. Which, you know, fair. I... I like. Uh, I will never recommend anyone to watch Ninja. Not that it's bad, you know. It's just it is very much a standard unit of Sentai. <laughs> Honestly, it's a very mediocre standard unit of Sentai. I just like Zhuoger is for me the worst one I've seen in in that in this era. But you know, still, like you said, there's a lot to like in there. I still know that I'll ever watch it a second time. No. Um, I mean, I probably will never watch it a second time. I'll definitely never watch Kyo Ryuger a second time. Uh, it was I'm hard enough getting it. myself to watch it the first time. Yeah, same. But, I mean, like, I love Go Busters. I love Kyo Ryuger. I love parts of Kyo Ryuger. I love Tokyuger. I was sort of into the episodes of Ninja that I watched. Mm. Look, I, again, there's nothing bad about Ninager, it's just there's nothing great about it either. Yeah, it's I I really like Zuoger. If Zuoger had had better villains, it could have maybe stood yes. up to to some other ones. Boy, it, it really did suffer a lot from just every time the main villain was on screen, you're just like, ugh, go yeah, away. That really, that really was the problem with it. I mean, we you don't want to be here. I don't want you here. Go. Yeah. I mean, we love Q-Ranger for all of Q-Ranger's flaws. Warts and all. Um, I mean, the, it was... again, the parts of Q-Ranger that are good are some of the best Sentai there is. Yeah, absolutely. Without, without doubt. But man, the parts that are not those parts. <laughs> yeah, like, but it, it does get distinction because, yeah... It has the most wild swings in quality. Because, oh, anyway, we should get back to these dinosaurs that we were talking about, but 
yeah, I had to agree with the thing we started this tangent on. Uh, Reef Soldier's real good. Yeah, it it is the best 2010s Sentai. Yeah, and and that's saying something because while there were some lows, there was almost real highs in the 2010s. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah. I I just adore the moment of Ko saying that like their friendship is stronger than fear, and as long as they believe in each other, they they can't lose. And everyone just kind of nods and is like, "Yeah, friendship." Except Bamba, who just kind of stares at Ko like, "You can do that. You can just believe in each other and not be afraid. How? I didn't know that was allowed." And then having them, like, exchange that look and Bamba puts his sword in, like, slowly. Uh. Like, just this slow, dramatic, deliberate, yes, I am putting my sword in, had so much of that energy of the reluctant fist bump. Uh-huh. Just kind but of refined. With, yeah, like, less reluctant and more, you haven't been wrong about this before, so I'm gonna trust you. And it just... God, those two ends of his growth arc are art. Yeah, it's so true. Just, dang, they got a lot of good mileage out of Bamba in these episodes, huh? They sure did. Oh. And I cannot overstate how good of a job Takahiroya did directing this episode. Like, that fight with the Minosaur before it got big was incredible. Like, yes. There was just a lot of really wonderful movement, and even though everyone was in different spots and kind of running around and coming in from different angles, it was very easy to follow where everyone was. Yeah, it, like, okay, if you ever go back and watch, like, uh, Bioman, they would have some of those same kinds of fights, and it was so cool to get, like... There's action on, like, two or three different planes that we're looking at. But, like you said, you can still follow everything. If you just let your eye rove around the screen, it will guide you to another cool bit of one-on-one -on -one fighting. It's just, I really hope we get to see Takahiroya do some more stuff later, because it was really a joy to watch. Yeah, and, like, the moment of, like, Bamba seeing him about to do the laser, and he's up on, like, a higher thing, and he kind of throws in the solid soul and jumps down to shield the team. Dang, yeah. Like, Especially since that dude was doing a Shin Godzilla move, where yeah, it's just, like, out of all his spines, like, ah, oh, so and good. having that moment of him putting himself in front of the rest of the team as a follow-up to him putting his sword in and agreeing to put his trust in them and accept their trust in him. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Just all of these, there were a lot of really big, intense moments of the team coming together. And all of those moments flowed together so well that even though parts of the pacing of this episode felt a little weird to me, um, such as, for example, like, oh, it's mist. We'll just use the dry soul. <laughs> like, you've seen that it was fog. You knew that the whole time. Right? That, yeah. well, that part wasn't news. Like, that felt very strange and anticlimactic to me. Mm. But 
since they just kind of rolled past it into this much bigger character moment, I just kind of forgot about it until I rewatched the episode. Yeah, which, I mean, look, if they, as long as they can get you in the moment, it's fine. And even if you, even if you stop and get to the refrigerator and just think, wait, the dry soul thing, ah, it was kind of weak, wasn't it? If, if it takes that long to get there, they did it right. Like, it, it, it was just very strange. Yeah. But, you know, just the fact that they're like, oh, okay, dry soul. Okay, now, now, you know, friendship, friendship. Uh, we gotta, we gotta do this other thing. Like, that, I feel like they just kept it moving so well that it's it's not even a problem that that's a little weird. Because, you know, solving the problem of how to get rid of the effects of it on them, on, like, on the group of them, like, that's not really the point of the fight. So just kind of brushing it away to get to the important parts, I can live with that. And not only can we pass around the Ryusoul Caliber, which is important, we can also put the whole team into King Dino Knight Rex. Yes. I don't know if it's because they had gone... I don't know if it's because they had gone from Five Knights into King Dino Knight, and because they were already in the robot, they stayed in the robot. Um, But just shove them all in there. Just keep doing it. No one cares how they got there. Like, it's just such a good look having them all in that cockpit together. And then, aside from just being a good look, because, God, that shot of the six of them in there was incredible. Yeah, it But really also, it, it gels super nicely with the theme of everyone's souls as one fighting against evil, because they're all the soul of that robot together, and the robot is also multiple souls coming together. Like, it's... That's completing the frickin' thing that we're supposed to be doing this whole time. I just I just look forward to the time that where they're all in there together, and they have to help steer, like, the ultimate power blast, or, or whatever it was called, away from Earth, because their souls are able to push the beam back up into space, even though, I'm guessing, Precious is, I don't know, like, trying to puppet master King Dino Knight Rex, because... What would be the best way to just wipe out the Ryu soldiers and a whole swath of humanity um, by pointing their giant robot ultimate death cannon at the Earth? Because that would also break their hearts and therefore make their souls very easy to to just steamroll over. I kind of hope that ends up happening. I just we most of Rex made that big thing about. Oh yeah, the ultimate power is too dangerous. No one should use it. But here he is, and they've used it a bunch of times. So, any anyway, I'm I'm just kind of hoping that uh, by the end of the last episode, we'll finally get the big chunk robot that is made out of all the Dino Knights, instead of you know the three big ones. And because I just I like the three big ones, but I miss having one that's also all the little ones. I understand wanting to do one that's the three big ones because it's a little more elegant. And also, you can sell those three big ones. Yeah, but uh, I do... I do, It gives people an, some incentive to buy Piton. But um, I do kind of hope we get at least get a one-episode 
big chunk every every Dino Night. Yeah, they just they deserve that. Anki Rose hasn't been on screen in a real way in a while, and uh, that's a crime. That's true. It's been a hot minute since I've heard Mere Needle honk. Yeah, that's it's not allowed. Um, but I think that's it for our our main thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, well then, that was our thoughts about Resolve Thirty Nine and Forty. So for Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sona. And Bomba still gets down. <laughs>